Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. Podcast episodes are available on VHHA.com and on popular podcast hosting sites and apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and many others. Episodes of the podcast also air each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 820 a.m. across Central Virginia. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. Again, that's PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. And with that, today we're pleased to be joined by Donna Markey, a nurse practitioner with Augusta Health, who has helped develop a breast cancer prevention program at the health system. Today we'll talk with her about that and more, but first, welcome to the program, Donna. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. And so we're recording this with Donna in early November, which is just after October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And so while the calendar has flipped, that doesn't diminish the importance of breast cancer screenings and mammograms. As the saying goes, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. At Augusta Health, that philosophy seems to be at the heart of the high-risk program at the Center for Cancer and Blood Disorders. So Donna, if you would, let's start by discussing the center and breast cancer screenings and preventions, such as when and how often people should get exams to detect cancer early or identify personal risk factors? So personal risk factors obviously vary greatly from woman to woman, and identifying what those risk factors are is the first step. We generally recommend a woman starting at age 40 have a clinical breast exam, meaning a physical breast exam, on a yearly basis and have breast imaging, which would typically include a mammogram, can sometimes then necessitate an ultrasound if their breasts are particularly dense and the radiologist sees something that is concerning. Um, what we're trying to do in our program, though, is look at other risk factors that beyond the actual physical breast itself, which obviously is what we're looking at with imaging, but looking at their family history, if there have been affected family members with breast cancer, what were their ages, what's their closeness to the person in, uh, uh, that we're screening, you know, is it a first-degree relative, a second-degree relative? There's some risks there. Other risk factors can include, I mentioned breast density, can include how young or old they were when their periods first started, whether they've had any pregnancies or not. Um, women who have not had any pregnancies are at a higher risk for breast cancer. Age at menopause is a risk factor. So looking at all the lifetime points in terms of reproductive health is part of our risk screening. But weight is a risk factor for breast cancer. Obesity is a risk factor. Alcohol consumption contributes risk. Women who drink more than two to five drinks per day are at a higher risk for breast cancer. Uh, people typically think about alcohol and other types of cancer, but it is actually a risk factor for breast as well. Well, that's, that's really good information. I appreciate you sharing that. And as I understand it, your program has now conducted more than 1,100 screenings in the past 12 months, and of those, 400 were found to be high risk. What does it mean for a patient to be high risk, um, and you identified some of those factors that you look for, and if they are identified as high risk, what would the next steps be in terms of either monitoring their overall health or taking steps to try to prevent breast cancer? So our screening starts at, the, at their family doctor's office, and we have a software program. They have iPad technology, and they answer a series of questions that, as you said, flags them as potentially high risk and either benefiting from full genetic screening and assessment and certainly risk factor assessment. If those individuals are interested in seeing us for a full evaluation, they come to approximately a one-hour office visit with me, and we go through in much finer detail than that preliminary survey 
you know, just who in the family has been affected and then what are, I mentioned some of those reproductive factors earlier, what are those factors for those, for that particular individual and include other lifestyle factors that I didn't mention earlier, like exercise level, fitness level, and some of those kinds of considerations. And then depending on whether they meet testing criteria or not, we offer them genetic testing. Some women are high risk, their, their gene testing comes back negative, but they still fall into a very high-risk category, and they have a high-risk score. There are several different mathematical modeling systems that estimate a woman's breast cancer risk, and there is also one that also includes, it's called a polygenic risk score, and it looks at genetic factors in their actual DNA that can predict risk. And so one of the testing labs we work with offers polygenic risk score. So if that score is over 20% lifetime risk, a woman should have screening. I mentioned earlier annual screening is a mammogram, but if a woman has over 20% lifetime breast cancer risk, we offer them a mammogram once a year and a breast MRI once a year, and they meet clinical criteria for that so that it's covered by their insurance. And that allows us to image them every six months with a much more sensitive test in the effort to identify early or catch changes as they potentially are evolving that can preempt a full-blown cancer diagnosis. And they also receive counseling around their lifestyle factors. So again, I mentioned obesity earlier. We also know vegetable consumption reduces cancer risk. So women, you know, women who only maybe eat two or three servings of vegetables a day, we try to help them make some modifications in nutrition. We have a comprehensive team basically that counsels them if they fall into that high risk category and we offer follow up in our clinic. So you've explained the process that someone would go through if they, they went through this screening. So beyond that, for anyone who's listening who might be concerned about breast cancer or just may need to find out more information, what resources, whether at Augusta Health's website or, or elsewhere, would you direct them to uh, to learn more about your program or about breast cancer generally and you know the steps that people should be taking or the things that they should be doing in their own lives? So I think the two most dependable and reliable resources are, is the American Cancer Society and the National Institutes of Health, the National Cancer Institute. They have the by far the most credible and dependable uh, sources of information. But women who want to estimate their own risk just kind of crudely can use what's called the GAIL model, G-A-I-L, and they can access that through the National Cancer Institute and, and plug in some of their own preliminary information to see what their risk score is. And it will show you what is on the scale, kind of where they fall. Um, and certainly if they're in a moderate to high risk level, they should discuss that with their provider and you know, seek appropriate level of care based on that risk. And obviously, they're also very welcome to contact us here at Augusta Health for screening and counseling and, and support. Well, thank you for sharing those resources. Uh, as Donna said, there are a number of places online that you can look and either look at those resources or, you know, pull up your favorite uh, search engine and let your fingers do the walking across the keyboard and, and find some other resources. And now that we've discussed that, Donna, I've got a few other questions for you just to give listeners a bit of a sense of who you are beyond the work that you do. Mm -hmm. The first question is this. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I would have to say probably um, it's around nutrition. I think for me, for health, from a health standpoint, following a, a plant-based diet and, and maintaining an active lifestyle have been kind of the best advice I've received in terms of promoting my own health. It's always good advice to, to live and eat healthy. Next, and we'll, we'll stay on the subject of, of nutrition for a second, uh, although this might not be the healthiest kind of nutrition, but, and this is an entirely imaginary premise, but in the hypothetical scenario, Donna, that you could anticipate your final day on earth, what would your last meal be? Wow. Probably something with shrimp in it. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. Like a shrimp uh, pasta or shrimp scampi? Uh, Probably like shrimp scampi, okay. something like that, or grilled shrimp. Okay. With Sounds lots good. of vegetables. I'm, I, I really do love vegetables. I'm, I'm fortunate. When I see folks who, they, who tell me they don't like vegetables, I feel really sad for them because um, I love vegetables, and that's really, you know, kind of the basis of what I eat. So it's hard. I just feel bad for them that they don't like it because it's going to be a struggle to try to get them to increase their, you know, their plant mm-hmm. consumption. Understood. Yeah, I I enjoy vegetables and grew up eating them, so they don't bother mm-hmm. me. But I my, did. My grandfather had a produce business, so I okay. grew up around around a lot of you know that kind of food. But to your your shrimp scampi uh, point, I love shrimp scampi. Unfortunately, as an adult, I developed a shrimp allergy, so that's out for me now. So. Oh, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's too bad. The next question for you, Donna, is uh, what's the top item on your bucket list? Well, I've always dreamed of making a trip to Machu Picchu. I'm a hiker, and okay. I like to I like uh, mountainous areas, and so I would say getting there. Okay, sounds like something to look forward to when we can all travel again after yes. the pandemic is behind yes, us. Exactly. All right, and then finally, Donna, this is the last question for you. If you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take with you to keep yourself occupied? We will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what are your three entertainment survival kit picks? Oh, my goodness. You are, these are tough questions. I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> I'm, I'm a non-TV watcher, so that's really interesting. I don't even own a television. Okay. Um, let's see, a book. I can't answer. I don't know. I, are you catching me off guard? Um, okay. I, and I have a book club, and I have great friends who I love and consume lots of books with, and I'm completely drawing a blank. Okay. What about an album? Oh, let's see. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Elton John. That's a good one. Yeah. What's your favorite song on that album? Um, I like I love Goodbye Norma Jean. Okay. Seems to me you lived your life like a candle in the wind. Never knowing who to claim to when the rain set in. Okay. That's a tearjerker of a song. It is a tearjerker of a song. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Well, listen. I appreciate you sharing those picks with us and spending a few moments today to talk about your program and breast cancer prevention and and high risk factors uh, in some patients. And with that, that's going to bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review and subscribe so that you know when new episodes are available. And once again, we want to thank our guest, Augusta Health Nurse Practitioner Donna Markey for joining us today. So thanks. Thank Thank you so much. Appreciate it. 